0: Hi there. Hi there.
1: Hi there. The great tip is a bird. The
0: great tip is a bird.
1: The great tip is a bird.
2: <laughs> I know, right? That last one was such a kitty cartoon. 100%. Snoopers got a medal. Those girls are both. I mean, snooping meddlers. But that could be handy, don't you think? We can use them. I don't know how, but I can feel it. Huh? I don't want to give it away, but let's just say it's a prime case of power incontinence.
3: The DeGiant study needed new kids, so they sent us out to recruit. On the way, we stopped by Mama Medina's beauty shop to grab a stash of flyers Medina kept there. The shop customers laughed and laughed at us when we ducked under the shop's hand-painted sign. They talked at us, Medina and me, her Mfaka friend, like we were their favorite soap opera. Mama Medina didn't find us so funny. When she saw us, her face pinched up with disapproval. You could be a model, she scolded Medina. You could find a sponsor and bring home good Pesa. Then she said something I didn't understand, a long string of words that ended with, like a boy medina sounding tired like she'd heard the exact same thing a million times before said she brought home just as much as her mama back outside we walked the streets the gravel roads the dirt paths the alleyways and i was like why does your mama want you to model medina told me her mama had been a beauty queen when she was our age poor medina Even you, Mamai, with all your craziness, never tried to make me a girly girl. We crossed the train tracks and skidded down a short slope into unfamiliar territory. We'd already recruited kids at the closest schools, so Medina said we'd have to go further to find new recruits. She said we'd have to go to what she called the real slum. But I knew what she was doing. She kept trying to shock me with what she called slum delights. The putrid streams, the dump sites, the bags of excrement she called tossable toilets. So I kept reminding her that you, Mamai, and Poppy grew up in poor places too. You and Poppy never actually called your childhood neighborhoods slums but after weeks of hearing the De Giant team call in situ an informal settlement and in situ residents call in situ a slum, it dawned on me that you, mamai, you and Papi were also from informal settlements, slums. Remember when we took our first family trip to Boreo to the house where Papi grew up? After we got back, he kind of randomly told me, now you know. I didn't really get it at the time, but now I knew. Once we crossed the train tracks that cut in 2 in half, the mild stench practically blossomed into almost visible fumes. Horn buzzard birds were scavenging a dump site, flinging trash left and right, competing with the blowflies for meat tiny white down feathers floated up as their beaks tore into the trash. Curious glances, mostly from young children, gradually dissolved into hostile stares, mostly from older kids, all directed at me. It's nice not to be the only one getting mean looks, Medina said, but she was a local. Why would she get mean looks? When I asked She just waved my question away and scoffed, then she started screaming.
0: It's Brief Explainer from EBC. I'm Tyrone Bryant. Today's question is from Zuli in Isabelina City who asks,
1: Do wild animals ever intentionally hurt themselves in captivity?
0: Yes, Zuli, this has been documented. For example, Parrots have been known to feather-pick if their captive environments are too constrained. Feather-picking is an activity similar to skin scratching in humans and can be just as destructive as extreme scratching. And there's the Marcier, a fluffy, fist-sized primate only found in the mountains of Isabellina. Some Marciers are illegally captured, caged, and displayed in tourist circuses. Captive Marciers have been known to repeatedly hit their heads against the cages until they die from blood loss. But unlike many animals, Marciers at least know when they are in captivity, and they know what imprisons them. Thanks for your questions, Zuli. Please join us again for a brief explainer from the EBC.
3: Mendina screams again, and I felt it too tiny, biting pains in my neck, two girls throwing pebbles at us, squeezing their upper arms between each throw, those uniformed girls, the ones who crumpled the flyer, they had good aim. Medina yelled and tried running at them, but the girls just laughed and switched to rocks. Arjun! Angelique! Kichuna inaishi Medina shouted, and I knew what that meant. I know where you live. They laughed even harder, and something sharp hit my face, and a rock hit Medina's head, and her eyes rolled back in their sockets. Then I was screaming too, trying to shield her, but she was too tall. I was too short, and a stone hit my mouth, and I tasted blood. I dropped to the gravel, pulling her down with me, throwing up pebbles and crazily kicking up dust, and I knew it wouldn't work, but it did dust and feathers hung in the air the rocks stopped in the distance an imam bellowed through a loud speaker a call to prayer this too shall pass the downy dust pulsed sparkling like waves in a lake swim out deeper i wanted to shout i could see I feel Medina wanting to cry out. I can't. The dust started circling slowly, then faster like water down the drain and the drain was me. The dust flowed to me, into me. I heard a distant boom. Everything went completely dark or completely bright. Is this what going blind? Is this what dying feels like, Mamai? A A million years later, I felt a tugging on my arms. I opened my eyes to the horn buzzard sky so I must have been on the ground. Medina was pulling me up. I saw blood at the side of her head and felt it on mine and still tasted it. Warm iron wetness. I saw Arjun and Angelique drag themselves to their feet. I wasn't close enough to see it, but I could feel the blood thick with iron and oozing from their bodies. We walked to them, or were they walking to us? And we limped to the closest Motogari stop on the line that goes all the way to the other side of town where the rich and Fakas live. I made sure not to turn my back on Arjun or Angelique. They were squeezing their arms again, and I could see they were squeezing tattooed skin. Identical tattoos in the shape of fanned matchsticks, like a finger piano. I saw cuts around their tattoos, and I recognized the pattern, scratches. Arjun, Medina said, taking the angrier girl aside. Arjun looked like she wanted to push Medina, but Medina, so much taller, stared her down Then they walked away from Angelique and me. Medina tried to put her arm around Arjun, who swatted it off. Angelique watched me in anger, but also in fear of me. The Modogari arrived. If you try that again, I'll find you at Tuka. Medina said as they boarded and the door slammed shut. What was that about? I yanked two tissues from my pocket pack, squeezed a drop of hand sanitizer onto each one, handed a wet tissue to Medina and wiped my face. Medina slowly wiped her face with one side of the tissue, then slowly folded it and slowly wiped with the other side. They're in a bad state. They had to withdraw from school during lockdown. When I said, they're wearing school uniforms, she said, they're in modeling school now. I was still confused. They were wearing high school uniforms, they're in a modeling school, and they live in a hotel? Medina closed her eyes, exhausted and said that they live in a shelter that Tuca hotel set up during the pandemic. They were sisters and distant relatives like third cousins or something. And Arjun used to be a good friend, maybe Medina's best friend. She was 17, like me, and before she moved away, she was so talented and responsible and sweet and mature. Medina had never sounded this I don't know, this admiring, and it made me a little jealous. I said, but you called them mean girls. Don't call them that, Medina said, though she'd called them that. I had to state the obvious. Uh, they were stoning us? You're an Mfaka. You're lucky and rich. Medina stopped wiping and said, what was that about with you? I said I was trying to protect her. She asked if I knew what I was doing. I said I threw up dust to shield her. No, she shouted like a slap in the face. You hit them. It's like you drew all the dust to you and and exploded it at them. That didn't sound right. I stared at Medina, who stared me down, down into closing my eyes. A ball of dust hit Arjun and Angelique, full of tiny stabbing knives, shards charged with electricity that discharged on their skin. You electrocuted them, Medina whispered. A hot, wet pressure pushed behind my eyelids, and I said, but they hurt you. Medina placed each of her hands on each of my shoulders, heavy, and said, Renea, what did you do?
1: You've reached the voicemail box for Tuko's Girl's Shelter. Due to high demand, callback times may be longer than usual, but if you are a girl in need, do not despair.
3: We will return your message as soon as we possibly can. It took forever to open my eyes, but when I did, I opened my mouth too, talking, talking, anything to block out the image of hitting those girls. Humans are conductive, I said. Our bodies are mostly water. Medina stared off the gravel path where sparking shards and feathers still floated, suspended in air. You weren't just conducting electricity back there. Maybe we're like Elamanders, I said, thinking back to the moment I dragged Medina down and kicked up dust. My arms and legs tingled a lot, intensely, not quite painfully, and I only felt it in my arms and legs, not in my chest, my neck, or my head. I shrugged right where my scaly plaque ringed my shoulder and said, Maybe these things insulate us so we don't hurt ourselves. Medina's hands still weighed on my shoulder plaques, warm like a heat sink. That may be true for you, she said, but not for me. I think it is. I think you can. No, she said, not like you. On the day we met, the lightning, she shook her head, back and forth, so she had seen and she had known. I said, it's different here. I could only sense magnetic electrical stuff before, but here I can move things. It hit me then that I could already move things. I moved pieces of metal when you helped me, Mamai. The casino roulette balls in Voldemort? But I could never do it without you, and I hated that. Medina was watching me, and I wanted to tell her, but it was too complicated. It still is, and suddenly all that heat I made, it dried me out. My throat closed, and I was coughing uncontrollably like my body wanted to vomit out my insides. She gave me her water bottle and I chugged it all, but I was drying up, drying out. So I grabbed the sports aid bottle I always keep in my bag, but it was almost empty. I'll get you juice, Medina said and ran away. And I was trying to tell her it wouldn't help. I needed a drink with salt and sugar, but she came back in a flash with a jug of fresh juice, probably from some corner store. And I downed it and it did help. A lot, actually. I felt much better, but I still wanted to get more sports aid, just in case. Medina said we could only get it at the mall. So I said I'd get her something too. I was still trying not to be completely culturally clueless. And then on the way to the mall, she said, Faramia has some of the most lightning storms in the world, even more now with climate change. It made sense. Humid air was more conductive, with nature to assist. No wonder I could do big things by myself without you, Mamai. Medina grabbed my wrist and said that I needed to be careful. If the wrong person saw me, I might wind up in a zoo or something, like the Elamanders. Why were Karin and the Professor connecting the Elamanders to the Megastar? Maybe they fed the Elamanders Elagabalin. No. I was like, that'd be crazy. You never know. That's why you need to be careful. So I was like, I'm just a lucky Imfaka, right? I can leave town if something happens. That was a horrible thing to say even though she just said it. I decided to stop talking, cause now I was annoyed and still so thirsty. But as we waited for the Motogari to Crystal Mall and I reached for my wallet, nothing. My bag was empty. Medina shook her head. Those girls, they're learning new skills. I heard they settled the Mr. Johnson stuff. Sorry? Mr. Johnson, I heard they settled his situation.
1: Oh, yes, though it could grow complicated again when school starts.
3: So you can leave Valdemore?
1: Soon. They asked all the counselors to write a summary report before we leave.
3: You can't do that in Mayaka? It is a bit
1: too complicated to coordinate over the phone. It will finish
3: soon, I promise. But I kind of need you here. Did something happen? It's too complicated to explain on the phone.
1: Are you alright? Renea, what happened? At least you won't be alone. Sorry? Sorry? At least you get a visitor. Renea, I do not know what you are talking about. Medina
3: told me your family's coming to visit
1: you. Who? Your... Oh, I need to take this. Is that your... Sorry, Renea, I need to take this call. I will message you later, all right?
2: Goodbye. What did I tell you? Incontinence, right? She can usually say it. When she can't, she'll spray it. (sighs) No, you're absolutely right. She needs care. She, like, needs that school counselor 24-7. Or us. No, it's not too soon. There's still more. I put it on theparrotisabird.com. Theparrotisabird.com. Don't rush this. You need to hear the whole thing. We are so close. The quartet is set. We just have to sit back and watch them wreck havoc. And they will. If you wait long enough, watch long enough, listen long enough, they always will and i'll always catch them doing it always
0: have a great day the great tit
1: is a bird dot com